Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining the Fastest Known Podcast. It's really fun. I feel like we're together. I feel like we're having a person-to-person conversation, even though we're not. But I am having a great conversation with two gentlemen from, as we say, across the pond. I'm speaking with Mike Penny and Mike Jones. Uh, Mike Penny's been with us for quite some time, and he is the regional editor for the UK, and he reviews all submitted fastest known times. And Mike Jones is also a regional editor for the United Kingdom, and he reviews all the submitted routes. So welcome, Mike and Mike. Hello. Thanks very much for having us. We're going to... uh, check in on what's new and cool in the UK. And also, uh, Mike Jones, you wrote an article, which we're going to refer to, which is going to be published, is published on the website on the classic roots of the UK. But first, uh, we're recording this on July 22nd. And as we speak, Timothy Olson is, I think, about 40 miles from finishing the Pacific Crest Trail fastest known time. And so by the time this podcast is released, which is just in another 18 hours, he'll probably be finished. And so I want to say, hopefully in advance, congratulations, Timothy. And people should definitely look at an article on the website now because we had to work with Timothy. As you know, there's massive wildfires. Climate change is real for any climate change deniers. And the West is very hot. It's very dry. There's this dr- <clears throat> Fahrenheit-wise, it's been over 110 degrees Fahrenheit in British Columbia, Canada. And so the wildfires are nuts. Timothy had to do some reroutes. And in order to not get burned alive, he's not going to quite make it to the Canadian border. He's going to get close. Then he's going to do a out and back to get the exact same number of miles as the Pacific Crest Trail without tagging the actual border, simply because it would be too dangerous. So this is a hassle for him and his crew, but it's all good. So check out the article on the website for more information on that. Okay, let's get down to business here. Wow, the UK. It's active. There are 490 routes in the United Kingdom, and the FKTs come in hot and heavy. So I'm just going to ask you to right off the bat here. It's really popular. I mean, it's, it goes well there. Uh, is there any reason for this? Is it because of the long heritage? Or what can you tell us about fastest known times in the United Kingdom? Oh, hi, Bells. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Mike Jones here. Uh, yeah, it's also incredibly hot in the UK. It's been, we work as in uh, Celsius, but it's been uh, in the high 20s and in the early 30s, which is very hot for the UK. I don't know what that is, 80s or 90s perhaps. It's also very humid. So uh, we've been feeling it here in the UK. Um, but yeah, it's uh, very, very busy in the UK. As you said, lots of routes. We've been doing some analysis, actually. I did uh, look at the number of FKTs submitted uh, over a 12-month period because we're looking at, I think Peter's looking at taking on someone else for the UK to help out because it it is very busy. And we had uh, no fewer than 1,051 FKTs in a 12-month period. uh, Not just submitted, that's actually, I think that's approved FKTs. 
Um, so that's three per day. And yeah, it's just exploded here. Um, I think we're probably the second busiest country after the US, I would expect. And I mean, part of that's probably the English language, I guess. You know, we've got the good connection there with and the website works really well for us. But yeah, we just have this history of lots of, well, we have lots of different histories, actually. We've got the mountain rounds, um, the fell running and the hill running communities. Yeah, fell running, it's called in, in England, in uh, Scotland and Wales, I think as well, it's called uh, hill running. So there's a big history of that. And uh, so a lot of the routes that we have on the website are those historical routes. We also have lots of uh, long-distance footpaths and things on there, which uh, which are the are the scene for lots of interesting FKTs. But um, we also have lots of route submissions of much smaller routes, um, which are nonetheless historical. We've probably got thousands of routes here which have a website um, or have a presence online. So um, there's lots of opportunities both for the 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 best runners to go after some of these really tough rounds and, and long distance adventures we've also got lots of opportunities for um you know your everyday runner to go and find a local route and to put their mark on it good good i i get that i like the the clarification of terms we call it trail running here and you've always called it fell running but i didn't know that it was called hill running in scotland and wales so that's a I, I, clarification. I hope i'm right about wales i'm not totally <laughs> sure about wales i know in scotland it's called hill running mike do you know uh, but I know in Scotland it's, it's definitely hill running, and also in, in Ireland as well it's hill running. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. I wouldn't I wouldn't put my mortgage on it, but I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, so we'll, I hope I haven't got off to too controversial a start there. But certainly, yeah, in England it, it's fell running. Um, but we also call it, you know, if if I go for a run in my local area that's not in the mountains, I would call that trail running as well. So we we do use that term. Gotcha. I see. Well, in Europe, I should say on the continent, um, mountain running, that's that's generally yeah. the term. They didn't, trail running wasn't really a thing on the continent. They they called it mountain running because that's basically what they did. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Mike, anything uh, to add? Um, yeah, I think that there's lots of trials, as Mike said, and, and they're very we, they're very spread out around the whole country, so plenty of runners will have one not too far away from where they live. So any weekend, they've got an opportunity to get out of there and have a go at one. Um, there are so many, and so many in lots of different regions of the country, and and things are very accessible here too. So you can you can drive to the start, or you can get public transport to the start of so many trials that any, anyone can have a go really. Gotcha. It's all accessible. I appreciate that. That's part of the sport, right? Uh, even during pandemic times, you know, you could you can be by yourself and it could be local. You don't have to go too far. But now that the pandemic is, let's call it winding down quickly, hopefully that's a way to phrase it. Although in unvaccinated areas, it's not winding down. There are states in the United States where for some bizarre reason people were not getting vaccinated so it's spiking there again i will attempt to not editorialize on that bit of stupidity but with things winding down like you say fkts are are still going really strong i like what you said earlier mike it's basically three a day 
and you, Mike Penny, you're you're working hard. Thank you, Mike. We really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's fine. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's I, I as like Mike Jones, I, I just really actually enjoy seeing other people put the effort in. And some people are being creative. They're getting their friends to support them. Some people are doing it while they're on holiday. Some people are attempting FKTs on their way to their holiday destination. Believe it or not, they're stopping the car, getting out, and going for a run, and then continuing to their holiday so people are finding them all over the country they're finding different ways to do them they're getting other people to support them and they're putting their photos up with their family cheering them on as they come in so it's great to see gotcha cool um speaking of the type of routes uh, i like what you said you have this giant variety from pretty serious things particularly up north if you don't mind me saying in you know scotland and wales and so forth uh while you have some super classic stuff which we're going to get into in a minute uh in in what we call england now but there's also the historical ones that you referred to there's i can't remember what they are now but there's things that like retrace the steps of the queen there's you know heritage trails there's the London tube route. And I mean, there's, I'm looking at this going, this would be a fun way to see the city. Yeah, exactly. In, in London, I think the most kind of prestigious FKT in London would be the capital ring, um, which is a, a very long distance. Well, comparatively long, it's about 78 miles and it goes all the way around London. And, uh, that hasn't, uh, attracted the same level of attention as you know some of the the, the mountain routes that we've that we've had the mountain fkts but it's actually very competitive you go on the website and you will see you know probably 10 fkts on there for the capital ring so um and i i know that there's a running club in london which puts on a relay of that route and so on and so uh yeah i would say there's lots of opportunities all around the country um most of the classic routes that we'll probably talk about, you know, are in those slightly more spectacular areas, um, Northern England, uh, Wales, Scotland, uh, also Southwest England has some spectacular um, coastal paths. And that's one of the routes. Uh, but yeah, there are some of these really interesting urban routes as well, like the, as you mentioned, the uh, London underground stations, which is a huge route of, I think it's several, it's in the hundreds of miles and uh, a very, very interesting route there. I think that's, is that Richard McChesney, I think, holds the FKT for that. And he's he's a, quite a famous guy over here in, in this community. He doesn't run. Uh, he used to run. He walks, but he walks about as fast as I run. Uh, <laughs> so he uh, he's, he's, he's quite the machine when it comes to walking. So, yeah, lots of interesting things out there. Oh, I didn't know that. So his FKT is established as a speed walker. Yeah, I mean, obviously it just comes under. I think he did it self-supported. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't run any of it. He walked it. But I mean, he he walks at like five or six miles an hour. Like, a, <laughs> you, know, you know, for like two days running. He's, he's pretty incredible. <laughs> wow. All right. Good. I like it. Um, uh, the the tube run. I mean, help me out here. This doesn't go underground, does it? No, no. You simply, well, simply in inverted commas, you have to uh, visit all of the tube stations. I have no idea how many it is, but um, obviously, being all over London, 
uh, it's an incredibly complex route uh, to try and you know try and get them all in 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 one go. Um, but no, to my knowledge, it doesn't go underground. That would be uh, probably in in today's world of uh, you know safety first. That probably wouldn't wouldn't be the best thing. But yeah, no, I think he stays above ground at all times. Gotcha. Well, Mike Penny, what uh, what routes or FKTs are are catching your interest that you think people would like to hear about? Um, well, in, in addition to in addition to the classics, uh, there's some really good ones. Someone did the Hebridean Way. A couple of ladies did the Hebridean Way. So it starts on one of the Scottish islands. I think it covers maybe three or four islands, and you have to get ferries from one to another. So you have to actually plan the ferry times as well as run, which is very interesting and pretty adventurous, really. And uh, the weather can get pretty atrocious out there in the Scottish islands. So there's a few challenges in there. Um, some of the other ones, we mentioned the southwest coast path. Uh, a, a lady recently did that in about 18 days, if I'm right. And um, that's 630 miles up and down. That's, that's really challenging. And it, it's, it's beautiful because you're on the coastline all the time. Um, so there's, there's a few all around the country, some long ones, some... Mostly what we call undulating, where you're going up and down a lot. You're going up and down a lot. Rather than going up one big mountain and then down again, you're going up a hill and then up another hill and so on. And so it takes it out of you for sure. Right. You don't have to go up to a high elevation to get a lot of vertical gain. That's really what it amounts to. I mean, people think like Colorado, my home state, it has an average I mean, the lowest point is over 4,000 feet high. It's well over uh, 1,200 meters at its very lowest point. Wow. Um, but that's a valley. So you don't have to have a high elevation to get a lot of vertical gain. True, true. But what was the name of that route you mentioned between three islands? What did you call that? Uh, it's, I think it's called the Hebridean Way. I don't know if you saw this, Mike. A couple, couple of, uh, two or three uh, ladies took it on a few months ago, and it entails um, taking ferries from one island to the other. So you have to plan the ferry times as well as your running. So uh, that's quite a challenge and a, a real adventure. So, uh, there, and there are a few, even the Southwest Coast Path I just mentioned, that does inter, uh, involve ferries as well. And I know that even the guys and the girls who have set FKTs on there, they really have to plan the ferry routes. And if they get it wrong, they have to, there's a way they can go around it, but it might add time to the challenge. So you really have to plan those things too. And of course, if the ferry is delayed or cancelled, then that's... Uh, that's a bit of a bummer, isn't it, really? And uh, <laughs> to be honest, so... Um, well, if you're <clears throat> if you're out there for 18 days and the ferry's cancelled, that would be a bit of a bummer. Mm, indeed. Um, but there, there, were, there were loads more. I mean, there were so many, as you say, that we, we I honestly don't know them all. And some are coming in and, and I'm thinking, wow, this looks good. Whereabouts is this? So there, there, were, there were more to, to discover, even for us, I'm sure. Right. I like the ferry one. Pardon me. Uh, there's there's a swim runs in Sweden. You know, leave it to the Swedes to come up with something odd. <laughs> and so they do swim runs between islands, and they have a particular word for it, which I can't pronounce. Sorry about that. So someone could Google it because it's, there's a term for it. Yeah. Um, and then someone recently actually Nathan Broom, our Midwest regional editor in the United States, 
just submitted a route and an FKT for off the coast of South Carolina swimming between islands. So I like it. I like the multi-sport. Now, keep in mind, go to the guidelines to check out the percentage here because running or hiking always has to be at least 50% of the time. So we don't do pure swimming, paddling, skiing routes, but you can do other sports as long as running and hiking is most of it. So I like that. I like the creativity. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, last year we had something – which took that to an extreme, which was Donnie Campbell doing the, the Munros, uh, which was just staggering. So the Munros, for anyone who doesn't know, are all the mountains over 3,000 feet in Scotland, uh, 3,000 feet, 915 meters uh, for anyone on the metric system. We do both, by the way, in the UK, we do both systems. Um, and there are 282 of these mountains, and he did them all in, in one effort um, over – a shade over 30 days, I think it was. Um, it was one of the routes or one of the FKTs that was nominated for FKT of the of the year, Europe. And he did it self-powered, which was incredible. So he did it in a self, uh, in a supported style. His wife supported him uh, in the camper van, I believe. But he traveled between all of these mountains by on foot, by bike, mountain bike, and also by kayak, um, because some of these mountains are on islands. Um, <laughs> and he took something incredible, like eight days or something off the previous time. He took something like 20% or 25% off the previous record, which was just absolutely stunning. And it went a little bit under the radar, uh, I think, not not amongst the, the community here who were following it, but internationally i don't think it would have got the same profile that some of the other things last year like uh, the pennine way fkts which were incredible but they, they got more exposure and you know, um beth pascal on the bob graham for example but this thing by uh, by donny campbell was was quite special good call out i like it um self-propelled um, and of course, Beth Pascal, who we had on the podcast and FKT of the Year Europe, just crushed it at Western yeah. States 100. So Amazing. I kind of like that. You know, there, there's a prediction contest taking place stateside. And I saw her name. I went, oh, I think she's going to do really well. And I don't think people yeah. saw her coming, but she just blew them away. She led from the gun. Yeah, no, we, I, I think we saw her coming over here. I mean, I was really excited. <laughs> I was really excited because I think last year or 2019, I think she was fourth. Um, but like her, her Bob Graham last year was just incredible. It was, uh, I think it took about an hour off Jasmine Paris's time. And anyone that can take a, an hour off Jasmine pa off a Jasmine Paris time, it, you know, that's, that's really going some. And um, yeah, I think she'd spent a couple of months in the States as well. So she was probably quite well acclimatized. To it, but I gather that was a particularly hot race as well. Am I right in, in saying? Yes, it was. But like you said, she came out earlier, so she was somewhat yeah. heat acclimated. That's right. Yeah, but uh, I think she she ran the second fastest time ever, didn't she? So yeah, like it'd be it'd be interesting to see if there's a course record in there, and you know, in a slightly cooler year. But uh, yeah, it's great to see Beth doing well over in the states. Right. 
Right. She actually wow. runs. She she lives relatively near me actually, so she doesn't live in the Lake District uh, or anywhere like that. But we have we have a small national park close to where I live called the Peak District, which is actually the UK's first national park. It just uh, celebrated its. 70th birthday so it's not quite as old as the uh the national parks over in the states but it's the oldest one in the uk and it's uh it's not so called the the height of the mountains that uh, you know the lake district does for example but um there's lots of up and down lots of rugged terrain so you know uh, i think beth does quite a lot of uh i think she finds the biggest mountain in the peak district which is about 500 meters and just does uh, hill repeats on that Oh, really? Interesting. Well, I uh, I have to take a quick pause here because when I traveled through, I went through Sheffield, which is somewhat famous for its knives. This was coal country. This was steel country. So yeah. it has a great tradition there. The Peak District, I'm going to, pardon me, make a personal opinion. It wasn't very peaky. No, it's not. Okay, I don't want to insult anyone. <laughs> no, you're you're right. You're right. It's it's lots of hills. It's very. There's not much flatness, but you're right. It's not really peaky. But uh, I think the name comes. The name has a double meaning. I forget what the, the peak in Peak District means, but it doesn't actually refer to uh, peak as in mountain. It's some other kind of. Uh, uh, meaning for that name, and oh. I, I forget what it is. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. It, uh, it's nothing. It's nothing on the uh, Sierra Nevada or Colorado. <laughs> well, but then conversely, the Lakes District, which sounds like it's going to be flat as a pancake, that's got really lovely mountains. That's where the Bob Graham mm -hmm. is located, for example. Yeah. yeah. So we can't judge these districts by their names. That's right. Yeah, as idiosyncratic as possible. That's the way we do it in the UK. <laughs> okay, yeah. I appreciate it. Well, your tradition is just uh, incredible, of course. Fell running. I think what we sometimes call cross-country running was invented in the UK. I mean, maybe... It was invented all over the world, but certainly from our perspective here in the States, a lot of heritage comes from what you've been doing there. And we're going to get into that now as we look into your classic roots, because most of these have this crazy heritage to them. So uh, let, I want to just walk through them, each one. These are what you've identified as some of the iconic roots in the UK. And I'm, I'm just going to walk through the list and you two can fill us in, tell us a cool story about it. And the first one is an acronym. And you can tell us what this is, Lejog or Joggle. Yeah, so that, that's basically one end of the country to the other. It, it, it depends where you start. So um, Land's End, um, tip of Cornwall in the far southwest of England. And you can run right to the top of Scotland on the north coast. Or you can start at the top of Scotland and, and run to Cornwall. So whichever way you like. So the jog lands into John O'Groats or joggle the other way around. Um, and there are variations because it's so far. Uh, and some people go the quickest way. And some people try to run up the biggest hills in 
England, Wales and Scotland on the way. So, uh, you know, you can have a real adventure whichever way you do it. And and uh, some people cycle it too. But, uh, yeah, that that's a long way. It's a long way. It's over 800 miles, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, I think it's like 850 miles. And uh, the big thing was to try and break 10 days on that route, uh, which was achieved last year. Um and which is just incredible because you know that's over 80 miles a day so uh there's a fantastic film on that by the way um if i can plug uh there's dave mcfarlane made a really really good film on uh, dan lawson's um fkt of the lead jog last year so that's a good one it's called breaking 10 um and only a couple of weeks prior to that um Carla Molinaro uh, set the women's uh, record in about 12 days. So also a very, very impressive time to do, you know, 70 miles a day, day in, day out. And this road as well. So, you know, to do that and, and not get injured is pretty, pretty impressive. Nice. And again, this is on our website. So everything we're discussing will be in an article on the website. So people can just click there and follow along there when they're listening to this or for future reference, and we'll have links to these routes on the website with obviously tons of stories. The next one that you listed, the Patty Buckley round, I'm just going to mention that a round is what you all call the circuit, uh, what we might call link up class. I love the name, the round. It just means you're going to do the different summits. That's right. Yeah, that, that's one of the three classic rounds. Uh, that's the Welsh round. It's uh, in the region of, uh, off the top of my head, it might be 65 miles or something like that. And uh, it has around 8,500 metres or 28,000 feet, somewhere around there. Um, and it's really rugged as well. You know, there, there are lots of sections. Uh, you know, I've been wrecking it recently because I'd like to give it a go. Just, just to go sub 24 on the on the route which is what people try to do but there are lots of sections there which are really you know uh, you're trying you're threading the needle with the paths you're sort of trying to trying to find the path through boggy rocky terrain and yeah just relentless up and down um so you know uh similar to bob graham arguably possibly a little bit harder if you look at the times it would suggest you know uh um, Killian Jornet's record on the Bob Graham is around three, three and a half hours quicker than Kim Collison's record on the Paddy Buckley. But Kim is a very, very impressive athlete. He recently set that uh, record. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty tough uh, and much less well-known and well-trodden than the, uh, the Bob Graham round in the, in the Lake District. Gotcha. Now, the rules, let's just pause for a second on the rounds. The rules are particular. Now, if I, I know on the Bob Graham, you're supposed to be witnessed because this, these go back like 50 years or something, mm-hmm. way, way pre GPS. And so they don't quite care about GPS tracks. They want a person to see you stand on top. Is that right? Yeah, I gather. I gather that's right. I, I'm not a member of the Bob Graham Club because you have to have done it to be a member. I haven't done it yet. Uh, I'd like to be one day. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think you might need to be um, witnessed by a current member. 
whereas the Paddy Buckley and the Charlie Ramsey are a little bit more relaxed and you can also the Bob Graham doesn't like people doing it solo um, uh, yeah. partly for that reason but also I think they think that it's like a safety there's a safety aspect to that as well whereas the Paddy Buckley and the Charlie Ramsey round which is the other one in Scotland is uh, there it's a little bit more relaxed on that you can you can do it solo. Uh, Martin Stone, who was the first person to do it under 24 hours, he actually did it unsupported solo. So, and he did it under, under 24 hours. This was back in, uh, I can't remember how long ago, we're talking several decades. Um, so, uh, yeah, they all have different rules. It's kind of interesting. I see. Well, let's just bump to the Bob Graham right now, then, the, the famous one, the one that everyone's heard of. Well, not everyone, but many people have heard of because, you know, when Killian does something, people have heard about it. And this goes absurdly far back. Uh, I can't remember. Do you remember when this was first done? Mike, can you remember? I can't remember off the top of my head. I know it, it was the 20th century. Um, yeah. I'll look it up while we're talking, but we're talking something like 70 years ago. But yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can find out. Uh, and I'm sure people were up there running parts of it even before that, before it was all stitched together, because people were you know, moving their sheep around on those fields, uh, on those hills. So it, it sort of goes, the history goes back to those, those times where people just do it, did it for their job or that, or, or the shortest route was to, to the next village was to run over the hill. So um, it, it, that's where a lot of the history comes from, where it was all stitched together. Right. So the Bob Graham has 42 summits. Yeah. Now, you can do these in any order, can you not? Uh, there, yeah. there is, there is, yeah, you can. You can. There is a well-set route, though, uh, and uh, I think most people go clockwise, but you can go anti-clockwise as well. But there is a, a well-trodden route around them because they cross, it crosses about four roads as well where you can you know, stock up or refuel and so on. So Yeah, it it was 1932, sorry to interrupt, Mike. Uh, 1932, okay. Bob, Bob Graham was the first uh, to extend the Lakeland peak bagging 24-hour record to 42 peaks. So it came from the fact that people were seeing how many mountains they could do in 24 hours. And in 1932, Bob Graham was the first to do those 42. And uh, and. And that that's that separate record of the number of mountains in 24 hours has gradually gone up to I think somewhere around uh, 78 now, and that's another Kim Collison record. So um, that's that's another incredible incredible record there. And I think Carol Morgan has the the women's record for that um, from last year as well. 89 years ago. So listeners, hope you heard that correctly. If you think we've been doing this a long time, Bob Graham did this 89 years ago. And he, he basically put something together that had been done for decades previous to that. So that's quite a heritage. Yeah. It, it is, yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure when the 100th um, anniversary comes around, it will be really busy up there. Oh, that's a good point. That's but, yeah, uh, yeah. People, people like to do that sort of stuff. They'll, they'll be noting it in their in their diary a couple of years before, and they they want to be up there for the hundredth year. So, um, yeah, that'll be good. 
Maybe, maybe I'll show up. Uh, I'll be about the same age. So the last of the big three is the Ramsey round, not as well known as the Bob Graham. And this is up in Scotland. Um, and it's sort of the same. They all kind of go together, aren't they? Yeah. And if, if you're John Kelly, they literally go together. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> well, who, who, who would attempt that, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah the Rams, it's more, the Rams, sorry. A bit more remote, isn't it? It's a bit harder to get to, uh, obviously, being in Scotland. Well, well if, you're, if you're in England or Wales, it's further away. But if you live in Scotland, hey, it might be on your, your doorstep. But uh, that's uh, another another classic to try. Um, so yeah, more... it's pretty remote, isn't it? The the Rams is, is a little bit more remote than the other two, so it's pretty hard to support. I think there's, I think there might only may only be one point, uh, one road, or there's a there's a train line um, which crosses the route, so it requires yeah. quite a lot from the from the paces, the Rams road. Yeah, you're right. You really need to. Pick your support crew uh, well and carefully, and they need to be pretty hardy as, and dedicated as well. As as we know, support crews are crucial for these attempts, and uh, often uh, it's it's the the achievement is down to the support crew almost as much as the, the runners. I'd say with all the effort they put in. Right, mm. but that one being a little more remote, uh, Finley Wild nominated for FKT of the Year Europe last year, one of the winners actually. Uh, he did it unsupported, and he said, well, you might as well. You're so isolated anyway. It's not a big difference. And I like your reference to uh, John Kelly, expat American, who linked the three rounds on his bicycle. And, of course, you've seen the photos. He's on his full-on tri-bike with a skin suit. <laughs> so it's quite, a, it's quite a look considering the distances he's doing. Uh, he's, he wasn't messing around during the grand round. <laughs> no, that was, in, that was pretty incredible that he finished that. He did, he did the first two rounds in sub 24 hours. Um, so just, just that on its own with the bike ride between, and then to go up to uh, Scotland and to, do the Ramsey. I think he did the Ramsey in somewhere around 30 hours. So yeah, a huge overall effort. And that was on his second attempt. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting one. Cause you know, that's probably not one that wouldn't count as a classic route, you know, because uh, what I thought when I put that together was it, it needs to be something that's competitive and uh, you know, by definition, it's not competitive because, uh, you know, who else is going to go after that? But it is in in that sense, it's not classic, you know, because there's not a lot of action on it. But it's incredibly, uh, incredibly impressive to uh, undertake or even imagine such a thing. Uh, that's a darn good point. Can't be classic if only one person can do it. <laughs> but speaking of John Kelly, the Pennine Way, boy, that's competitive. That's like our your version of the presidential traverse, the Pennine Way is really old. I think it's one of your original long trails. But yeah. boy, John Kelly and Damien Hall have been getting after it, haven't they? They sure have. And I, I can't see it ending here. I, I believe maybe someone else is going to come along and have a crack at that. They're going to they're gonna study as much as they can. They're going to try and learn all the lessons and the tips and break it down for the minute. And uh, I think there's more. There's going to be more on this story. I think there's, there's going to be more attempts on this. Yeah. Uh, 
Is that just a guess, or do you know of something? Well, well I just got the hunch because because they those two recent attempts were were days apart, and and then for John for Damien to beat John's time, what three days, four days later, maybe a week later, and then and then John obviously already planning his revenge. He's coming back to have another go. I I just feel that, and and Damien's only just published his book recently, just before John's gone back up there. I I, I feel like that this it's not the end yet. I think maybe Damien would Damien would go back and have another attempt, or maybe there's some other there's some really good other miners in the UK who are not so well known. They might even have a go. They might think, well, why why not have a crack if they can do it? I'll have a go too. If you can get the right support team there, um, if you can do a lot of planning, you can go without sleep. Uh, why not? You 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 you'll become instantly famous in the in the running world in the UK if you can go and beat that record, aren't you? That FKT. So uh, I think other people have a go. Maybe I'll be wrong, but um, any any thoughts, Mike? Do you think someone else will have a go? Yeah, I don't know. Anyone who does is going to have quite the job because uh, fifty, I think it's fifty-eight hours for two hundred and sixty miles. It's it's just crazily fast, you know. When you consider the, it's pretty. It's quite a lot of ascent, eleven thousand meters or so, and also there are some sections of that which are just bog. You know, it's just uh, miles and miles of of um, muddy, you know, boggy terrain. So, yeah, it would have to be a pretty special athlete. But um, uh, you know, what I'm looking forward to seeing on that is some of the the other styles. You know, self-supported um, hasn't been a lot of action on that. I think the self-supported record is about 30 years old from 1990, I believe. And it's somewhere around four days. And um, I've heard of one or two people thinking about that. So that would be really interesting to see. Okay. Very interesting. Another route, again, please, listeners, go to the website, read the article, get the links for more information. And also there are, will be links to some of the short videos been made on these FKTs. You also list the Wainwrights 214. So this is interesting. This is another in the similar style, isn't it, where it's kind of ticking off summits. That's right. Yeah. And Wayne. Wainwright, referring to Alfred Wainwright, the uh, the guidebook author who published a very famous uh, series of guidebooks in the Lake District. And the Wainwrights goes over all of the mountains that are described in that series of guidebooks. Um, 214 peaks. Uh, I think it's somewhere over 300 miles and somewhere over... Uh, 30,000 meters, 30 to 35,000 meters. So you're talking three, uh, what are you talking, uh, over 100,000 feet of climb. Um, and that's amazing, you know, because Sabrina Vergi recently uh, took the, the record for that, the overall record. She beat uh, Paul Tierney's time and she's now gone. She's brought the record to under six days. Um, and that's a good story because that was her fourth attempt. I think she had two attempts in 2020. Um, she finished the route in 2020, but because she took assistance from someone descending one of the peaks because her knee was shot, um, she didn't want to claim the record because she felt like she'd gained assistance. She went back to do it again this year, um, I believe. If I'm remembering rightly, she's 
tried it twice this year and on the second time uh, she was successful. I believe I'm right in saying that. Um, but yeah, take, she took the overall record there. She, she's gone under six days and uh, that's also been under the attention of Carol Morgan and John Kelly. Um, so Carol Morgan attempted a, a similar time to Sabrina. She didn't finish, unfortunately. Uh, and John Kelly has just this week um, uh, stopped about halfway through his Wayne Wright's attempt. So he was attempting to break Sabrina's time. So there's a lot of uh, action on that route. Dang. Well, Mike, you've listed these classic routes. They're very, very classic. Let me interject. Is there something more moderate? I mean, these are these are the biggies. I mean, everything here is like that. some of those rounds. The, the goal is to do them under 24 hours and some of these that couldn't possibly be done. What what would be a classic route that's more, what should we say, you know, you don't need a headlamp for? It's a good question. Um, I mean, I think I chose these on the basis of, you know, what were being quite competitive. Um, we've obviously got hundreds of routes in the UK, uh, so there are lots and lots of routes there which are, you know, shorter. But we don't have an awful lot of routes which attract a lot of uh, interest from sort of the best runners that, that are actually that short, believe it or not. Um, uh, Mike, can you think of anything that's, that's, that would fit into that? I've been racking my brain and I, and I can't, to be honest. Um, and we've obviously got the North Downs, South Downs, but they are 100 miles or 130 miles. So it's, there's nothing There's nothing classic that's about 40. I think the reason might be like we don't have, I know in the States and in Europe, you know, you'll have run up to the top of the mountain and back, you know, particularly in Europe. We don't have that because the mountains aren't big enough. So we kind of have to make the route well, longer. So that, that could maybe be why. Well, well, the, well, the two that come to mind there, which is running up and down, there's, there's the Ben, the, there's the Ben race, isn't there? The Ben up and down Ben Nevis, mm. which has been going for a long time. But yeah, that, I mean that's 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 not the, the record's what one hour twenty five, which is an extremely fast time. Um, but it's yeah. you know that's, that's, it doesn't take them too long the top runners to do it. But I mean that's that's a really competitive route. And then there's the one up up and down Snowden, the Snowden ten mile, I think, up and down. So they're uh, but they're not really that well known as classics are they unless you're into hill running or fell running well they're more just races aren't they yeah, we've, we've got yeah. lots and lots of races that you know we've got lots of fell races hundreds of fell races around the uk yeah. um but that's a separate thing to fkts i think yeah. fkts the really good runners are looking for a big adventure you know uh, yeah. a full day or several days that's just kind of the way it goes but we certainly have many, many um, fell races in the UK, you know, and we've got a lovely tradition of that. You know, um, even in my local area, we we have uh, midweek races. Normally at this time of year, there would be several races every week. Uh, you go after work, it's kind of seven o'clock start. You pay about two pounds, three pounds to enter the race. You run up and down the hill and then you get cake and a cup of tea or beer at the end. So that's kind of a different side of the culture. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's where we get our short fixes. And then we go and, you know, we go and do longer stuff on the FKTs. But obviously, having said that, there are an absolute ton of routes out there, uh, which are 
10 miles, 15 miles, 20 miles. Uh, it's just they, they probably don't quite fit into this criteria of what we call classic routes. Sure. sure. That's very edifying. That's, I'm glad I asked that question. Hmm. So what you've listed in this article, which strike me as pretty long and hard, that is what people are going after. That Those are the most competitive routes. Because like you just said, the really good runners are looking for a big adventure. Like so, Beth Pascal, you know, she just won Western States. And of course, Damien Hall, he's he's a fast, successful ultra runner. And they're going out on these, you know, 200 plus mile days or multiple days. I like it. That's that's saying something. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think they're getting more, if I just don't mind me saying that, it's getting more press coverage over here too. Uh, more newspapers and websites are... Are, are sharing the stories of when they, these guys and girls are going to set these FKTs. Um, so some of the recent ones we've had in the UK, some of the women have done the, there's a Southern Upland Way and the Southwest Coast Path. They've made the BBC News and other other websites. So they're getting more publicity. And and the runners aren't they're not famous people, some of them, but they're getting in their press, which is is great for the sport as well. More people are finding out about these achievements and these these challenges. Well, let's end with one, your biggest route, the Southwest Coast Path. This is one of the national trails. National trails are its own listing, by the way. You have listed what you consider the classic routes. But the Southwest Coast Path is both a national trail and the longest, 630 miles. That's it, yeah. And I think the current record is held by Christian Morgan. Um who I think just had a go at the Appalachian Trail, if I'm right, but I don't. I think he pulled out of that. And uh, I think we mentioned her earlier. Danielle Blackie holds the uh, FKT for the ladies of uh, 18 days. So a fantastic effort. Yeah, the Southwest Coast Path. What you were saying earlier, Buzz. You know, we don't. You don't have to go to the mountains to get the up and down. Uh, you get it on the coast. There's very few flat sections of that path. Um, Yeah, and um, it's it's accessible, isn't it? It's very accessible, and there's there's lots of places to to refuel. There's lots of places for a support crew to help you out as well. So so you can you, there's lots of options for creating a strategy to to run that route and attempt an FKT on that route because you have to pass through lots of little coastal towns and villages on the way. So anyone supporting you. Uh, as a chance to get over there and help you out and to meet you at different places. So lots of people who do it on their own will have maybe someone in a van who's supporting them and they can plan lots of different options and have lots of flexibility in there as well. Well, around 35,000 meters of elevation gains, that's like 115,000 feet. So this is not barefoot on a white sand beach, apparently. No, there, there are some lovely. There are some. There are, it's, it's really very. It's really varied, but it's it's really up and down and up and down. It's relentlessly up and down, on especially on the north side, on the north um, north uh, Somerset side where it starts in or finishes in Minehead, whichever way you want to go, and the North Devon side. It's really tough around there. Beautiful because you've got the coast and the sea. You get the views if you if you've got the right weather, but it's just relentlessly up and down, and and the trails really vary as you'd expect for something that long, 
Um, a lot of, some of it's really smooth and compacted, and, and other parts you might have a bit of uh, solid uh, man-made path when you're passing through the towns, and other times you might have to go through woodland. And on the south side, on the South Devon, South Cornwall, you probably have to go along a few beaches over that way. So it's nice and varied. Great. Well, this I'm I'm excited. I the history there, the heritage, the the roots is fantastic. I like what Mike said about the midweek race. Not a big deal. You just go down to the local village. Uh, you show up, give them two quid. You go run up and down some to come back and have a beer and a and a piece of cake, uh, 7 p.m. on a Thursday. That that's that's a great style. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's really gets everyone together. You know, it creates a community spirit. Uh, everyone everyone can talk and get to know each other and uh, share their tips and stories. It's a it's a lovely thing to do. And and a lot of people volunteer to make these things happen. So you know, a lot of the uh, events in the UK, you know, requires volunteers and they come in and and do their bit as well and it might be people who used to run or it might be people who just know people who run so the volunteering aspect as as we see from the support crews if you're doing something supported the volunteering aspect is, is growing as well i think and, and a lot of people enjoy doing that side of the side of it in the sport terrific well i want to thank you both for taking your time to explain the classic roots and a little bit of the scene in the uk and I especially want to thank you, too, for processing all the root submissions and the FKT submissions, 490 roots and 1,051 FKTs approved in the last 12 months. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really, I really enjoy it. And it's nice to be part of the community and uh, to be able to give something back. So thanks very much for, uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's really good. Really nice thing to do. 